the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Wall Street seems to be focused on the September rate hike, whether it's on the table or off the table. Um, I don't think you should get too caught up in the short-term news that drives markets. I think you should get caught up on where are you as far as your savings goes for retirement. Because lack of action there can and will cost you. You want to have somewhere between ten and $40,000 saved for retirement by the time you're 30. It's not saved for going to Vegas. It's not saved for going to Mexico. I love both those. And we'll have a lot of fun doing those, but it's saved for retirement. Uh, once you save that, you, your next goal should be somewhere around hundred to $400,000 uh, by the age of 40 or in your early 40s. Um, we're all different though. For instance, I've got a friend who does not own a home. He thinks it's crazy. So he's a renter. So he may have to save more than I do as a person who owns a home and property. China Shanghai Composite up today, 2.9%. Speculation of state support, trade balance uh, showed weak imports and a drop in exports. So it should have been down in theory. Sometimes bad news is good news, though. And sometimes good news is good news. And sometimes good news is bad news. Wall Street's very, very moody on what to expect as far as results go on a day-by-day basis. Um, If you've ever dated anyone who was, I'm not going to say bipolar, because I don't want to make fun of people who are bipolar, but let's just say extremely emotional, you know that it can be really tough. You're expecting, you know, the markets to react one way, and you get a totally different way. Um... You know, today's big events, you know, we look at the Nikkei, uh, the Hang Seng, the DAX, the FTSE. You look at different stock markets, you look at different bonds around the world and how they did and what the confidence is there. I like to refer to the bond market as pretty smart, whereas the stock market's pretty irrational. 
Uh, stock market to me is more of a discounting mechanism six months down the road than it is a, a smart money play. Ten-year treasury sits at 2.1%. Meh. Certainly not hot. Certainly not good. Unless, of course, that's the environment you're in, and what you have to take a look at is um, what works and why. So uh, low-cost money can create winners um, for a lot of people. Corporate American can borrow money at a very cheap rate. Uh, The consumer can borrow money at a very cheap rate. Down the road, you don't really want super low-cost money. But that's the environment we're in, so try to make your portfolio accordingly react to that environment. I like zombies. I can't lie. I like alternative music. It's good by me, if that makes any sense to you. Um, Why do I like zombies, and why would I say that out loud? It's an odd thing to say, don't you think? I think as an investor, you have to look for who you are. And I think as a person, it's it's pretty important to know who you are. Um, one of the things I'll throw out there, you know, as far as zombies go, is there's investments in zombies. Right now, media stocks are getting creamed. In large part, it goes back to Disney saying that ESPN saw a loss in subscribers. That's pretty scary, because uh, a lot of cable companies... You know, get paid uh, for you know producing programming. So there's blood in the streets right now, but there's not zombie blood in the streets. AMC Networks, whose spinoff series Fear the Walking Dead was a spinoff of The Walking Dead, it had a premiere of over 10 million live viewers, which is a cable record. Short term, I think there's an absolute play there. AMC shares have lately you know been caught in that downdraft. Uh, a lot of hungry undead out there for Hungry Undead for Profits, chomp, chomp, chomp. Um, Their lineup at this point in time includes three of the five biggest debuting shows ever on cable, The Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, which was a prequel to the now-ended Breaking Bad. Um, It also owns cable channels IFC, Sundance, and WeTV, all of which have transitioned from running licensed movies to airing original shows that AMC increasingly owns. Those bring higher ad rates as well as follow-on revenue from licensing deals with the likes of Netflix and Amazon, Hulu, and whoever. IFC, Independent Film Channel, uh, specializes in offbeat comedies. Um, So they're in a pretty good position. AMC paid $200 million for half of BBC America, whose shows include Top Gear and Orphan Black. The numbers look pretty solid. The growth rates look pretty good. Uh, PE about 14 times, but earnings per share growth of about 36%. CBS has a PE of about 12 times 2015 expectations, but a growth rate of about 15. Uh, Time Warner, Viacom, similar situations where they may have lower valuations, but they have no growth or slim to no growth. One thing to like about AMC is its knack for turning out hits and vacuuming up vacuuming up the ad dollars. Um, Of course, you have to be cautious, and of course, you have to look at the Disney story with ESPN as like, hmm, um, that 
could be a problem down the road. That could be something I, I, that's a negative. Call it a negative. Call it what it is. Uh, the network's still making a go with Hell on Wheels and Halt and Catch Fire. They've got in the works a program called Into the Badlands, which is a martial arts gender uh, bender. Uh, Preacher, which is a comic book adoption adaptation uh, from Seth Rogen. So they're doing pretty good. And again, what I'm trying to get out here is the idea that there are some winners in losers in sectors. And that's sometimes the best way to look for value because there's four things that move a stock. Um, it's the overall stock market. If it goes up or down, a stock can go up or down. It's the overall sector. If it's, you know, if it's healthcare and everyone's saying, hey, healthcare is seeing big revenue growth, a healthcare stock can go up or down. There's the individual company and how they're doing. And there's the outlook. And the outlook, in this case, the individual company, AMC, is doing great with shows, great with earnings. Uh, but they're also, their outlook looks pretty solid. So uh, people will pay for that. China's export data shows fresh signs of steepening industrial turndown. Uh, that story's not going to go away. Seems to be the story that's driving the second half of the year of the stock market. The first half was driven a lot by Greece. Verizon's launching a trial of mobile video service in test for the telecom industry. Um, watching television on your mobile device, it's going to happen, right? Uh, NFL's coming out today with a project, a product called uh, Game Pass. It's $99 a year and allows you to watch regular season games on television as soon as they're over. Oof. Isn't the whole thing about it being live and anything can happen? Do you really want to watch a game after it's over? And then, I don't know, maybe, maybe. Apple's going to be launching their big phone, TV, and Siri products update operating system, a new Mac as well. Uh, tomorrow, I believe that is the ninth. So that's something to think about. Verizon's planning the 5G trials starting in 2016. It's a 50-fold increase in data capability over current networks. Sign me up. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I've got a big event coming up this Thursday in Pleasanton. It's an income and retirement planning seminar. Sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's bring in Michelle Lerman to talk a little estate planning law. How are you, Ms. Lerman? Great, thanks. So you're here to talk and promote a bit of a seminar we have coming up Thursday night where you will speak, the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar. Uh, you're going to go over what the state planning attorneys go over, creating your legacy. You're an author, you're a lawyer, you're an estate planning attorney. Um, what else can we expect from you on Thursday night as far as what you're going to be talking about? 
We're going to share changes in the law because estate planning has changed in recent years. The same estate plan that a married couple had just a few years ago is very different under current law than what the than what the couple needs now. So we're going to go through that, explain when you need a trust, when it needs to be reviewed, why it needs to be reviewed. And the bottom line is the the same estate plan a few years ago that a married couple had not only isn't needed, but it actually could increase income taxes. So as far as getting your money in retirement, or not getting your money, but handling your money and setting up an estate plan, what are some of the basics that we need to know? Number one is that probate is very expensive in California. Uh, Probate is a court process when someone passes away. It's the court process that distributes the assets to your heirs or to the people that that you've named in your estate plan. And in California, it's very expensive to do that, and it's unnecessary to go through court for most situations. And the main tool to avoid going through court is called a living trust. It's basically just an instruction manual on what happens if you're ever incapacitated or you should pass away. So you sent me something along the lines of a California Supreme Court ruling on a guy named Duke. What's important about this and why do we need to know? Well, the California Supreme Court came down with a historic ruling. It actually changed 50 years of law. And it's a story of what's interesting about law, one of the things I love about law, is that it's not just the laws that are passed by Congress and our, and our lawmakers, that law is actually comprised of stories that happen to everyday people, uh, stories that then blow up, uh, go to court, and the judge makes a ruling, and then that becomes new law. So what's interesting about this matter is that this, this man hand-wrote a will, and his will had, some, had a really important uh, key fact that wasn't included in the will. And the fact was, what happens if my wife dies before I do? It had all of the other contingencies, but not that. What happens if my wife dies before I do? And it turns out that that contingency is what happened. His wife died first, but he never changed his plan. And now it went all the way up to the Supreme Court to decide whether his nephews should be getting his estate or whether the charities named in his handwritten will should get his estate. And what's incredible about it is that typically whatever the will says is what happens. But here the judge found in the California Supreme Court that because there was an inconsistency that might show that there's an error in what the man wrote in his will, they are going to look at outside evidence to determine what the person's intentions were. They're not just going to look at the will. They're going to look at outside intentions. So it's significant because it shows how important it is to include everything you want in your will and that if you don't, a judge could be interpreting what your intentions are, not just what's in the document, but what your actual intentions were. From talking with you over the years, I'm speaking with Michelle Lerman, estate planning attorney. You can find her at LermanLaw.com. From talking to you over the years, Michelle, it it really seems like – Getting some details on when you die and who gets the money, critically important, not just to put it in a handwritten will, but to actually sit down and think about it 
and then maybe ask right. an attorney, hey, can you help plan this so that it goes correctly versus the hiccups that might happen? Absolutely. I mean, when are you going to know that your plan is, is done correctly? And the point is that you might never know, and then your plan ends up in court for years. Anything else that we need to know about estate planning? We've got a minute or two if you want to wax poetically. Well, um, Robin Williams' family, unfortunately, sadly, they're still fighting over their, uh, over their dispute. The house went to the wife, but the dispute is what happens to the property inside the house. So very important to look at all of those details and to determine who gets your personal property also not just get who gets the money in the bank accounts. There's a lot to learn, and it's easy to mess up, but once you get all of the facts down and seek the right counsel, it is really easy to make sure that your plan runs smoothly. It's interesting because I think we all assume that when I die, everyone's going to fight over my stuff intelligently or it's going to be handled responsibly, but... Does that happen often, or is it more often than not that, you know, things get personal and uh, people want the Oscar that Robin Williams won and, people, like, things that shouldn't be fought over are fought over? How often do you see it become irrational? Well, I volunteer in the courts uh, for the judges on a settlement panel, and so I actually see a lot of situations where it goes wrong. But I know that when thought and time is put into it and the plan is done properly, I also know a lot of circumstances where everything goes very, very smoothly. Sounds good. That's Michelle Lerman. You can find her at LermanLaw.com. I can tell you that watching a parent age, you see a lot of um, estate planning issues crop up, and you want to get those dealt with before dementia sets in. You want to get those handled with a legal uh, set up. Uh, state plan is critically important in the state of California if you own a home, period. If you're 40 years old and you own a home, you should set up an estate plan. Uh, you will save money. When you die, you will save money. You will save family grief. Uh, it's not something you want to think about, but it's something you absolutely want to consider doing. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the Eric and Big Event coming up. Ten Pillars Retirement Income Planning, Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel, this Thursday the 10th. Uh, talking about tax-efficient investing, maximizing Social Security, risk of outliving your savings, bonds and bond alternatives especially need to be considered in low-interest rate environments. Um, and I think we're – it's really tough to say this out loud because it sounds stupid – but the good old days of, you know, 4 to 5% interest rates, no one sees those coming. Um, a 7 to 8% mortgage, no one sees those coming right now. Could it happen? Sure. But right now you have to plan in the environment that you're in while keeping some liquidity for future environments. Uh, but we're in a low interest rate environment, so it's a little bit different. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare. Chief Market Strategist with Briefing.com. I start my day every day in the world of finance reading his page one article. It's a good way to start. It gives me some perspective, kind of brings me up to speed. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. So it appears, according to your page one, that not all's well in the world, but things didn't fall apart over the weekend while we took a day off. Is that the best way of summing up why we're up today? Yeah, you know... Um that's part of it. Um, I think uh, I was admittedly confused, though, why the you know the futures traded up as strongly as they did this morning, um, coming off the weekend. You know, I can understand why we might have been looking at somewhat of a bounce back following Friday's uh, disappointing finish, but uh, to rally to the extent that we did was was a bit surprising and somewhat confounding. Um, so I, my conclusion really is that it's, it seems to be just more of the the same um, in that we don't have a lot of conviction and buying and selling efforts right now and that we're uh, sort of locked into this trading range and you're going to see these uh, large intraday swings as a result of you know what's transpired over recent weeks. So where are we as far as the volatility goes? Are we coming down off of it? Do you expect it to pick back up? Uh, it's been a pretty hectic couple weeks. It sure has. Um, you know, we're certainly off the highs of what we've seen in terms of just looking at the, the volatility index itself. Um, you know, I think that the potential for volatility dies down more after we get this this Fed meeting out of the way. Um, I think that there's so much angst leading up to this particular meeting next week uh, that you just have, you know, people with some itchy uh, – trigger fingers, and uh, we just need to have some clarity uh, in terms of what the Fed is thinking. Um, you know, now having said that, when the Fed does what it does or doesn't do uh, on September 17th with respect to the Fed funds rate, we will still be locked in the same issue and the same conversation of, you know, well, what do they do next, right? So let's say they do raise rates in September, then the, the, the debate turns then to, you know, how – how much are they going to raise rates by the end of the year? Will they raise again in October? Or will they raise again in, in December? So we're not going to get past that. But I think everyone's just very anxious to get past the September meeting, uh, to see what the Fed does, and importantly, to see how the markets react to it. But because there's just so much uncertainty surrounding it, you're going to see this heightened level of volatility up, up right to the meeting. What's your expectation of the Federal Reserve? Should they be raising rates no matter what, or should they be listening to the stock market that's saying things are a little crazy out there? Right. So <clears throat> all we can can do is take the Federal Reserve at its word, right? And okay. what it has been trying to impress upon the market for years now um, is, you know, is that it's data dependent. And it has been attempting to tie uh, the normalization process to this idea that they need to see data that suggests to them that they're reasonably confident they're going to make their way toward uh, their uh, dual mandate. Um, and specifically, they, in the Fed's eyes, they've reached it as, as, as it relates to the labor market side of that mandate. Um, price stability, um, I guess you could say we have stable prices, 
they're just far too low uh, in terms of how stable they are. And uh, and that's really the, the central point right now that has everyone on, you know, playing this great guessing game is, uh, is the Fed going to be reasonably confident that uh, inflation trends will will pick back up over the medium term toward their longer-run target of 2%? Um, I think an increasing number of Fed officials are trying to really talk themselves into believing that that will be the case. Um, and, um, and I believe after the August employment report, which showed a very slight uptick in average hourly earnings, uh, I believe that the Fed is going to rationalize their way into raising rates in September. Um, <clears throat> should they? I don't know if they really should because I'm not convinced really that the inflation data are are all that convincing, you know, that they're going to hit their you know, their longer run target over the medium term here. They seem to be banking on the idea that oil prices are going to rebound and that the dollar is going to come come down um as as key drivers behind why they expect to, uh, you know, inflation rates to pick up here uh over the next several months. Um, but it's it's really still a very um, uncertain prospect in, in that respect, we think. So um, it would not surprise us if they raised rates, and by the same token, it wouldn't surprise us uh, based on the data, uh, particularly as it relates to inflation, if they just held study again in September. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Briefing.com, Chief Market Strategist, what's your opinion on the world markets at this point in time? we get conflicting messages when we turn on TV. So we don't want to do that. Um, should we look at China as, Hey, it's okay to invest in Asia because things are cheap now. If you're going to invest for five, 10, 15, 20 years, or should we be heeding the message of let's just wait till we see some economic good news come out versus what we're interpreting. And again, some of the news is pretty good. Yeah. Um, if it was the U S doing it, but pretty hard if it's China. Right. Well, I think waiting on news really boils down to kind of like the level of conviction driving your your level of investment. Okay. So we've we've seen, you know, trade data this this morning or last night anyway out of China that wasn't so great. You know, it did reflect this, uh, you know, understanding that China's economy, the world's second largest economy, is certainly slowing down. Uh, exports were down 5.5% year-over-year. Imports were down close to 14% year-over-year. Um, so what that suggests is that, you know, the demand for, you know, Chinese-made goods is not as strong as it used to be. And by the same token, uh, the Chinese consumer is not, uh, you know, out there spending aggressively right now. So so what I'm, what I'm driving at is I think, you know, you're right to hit on the point. You've seen some very, you know, large corrections in these foreign markets, right? And you want to buy at lower prices, you know. I mean, it, it is kind of crazy that, you know, we see, you know, indices and stocks hit highs and keep going on to higher highs, and everyone's excited about buying at those higher highs. But then when you come down 20%, everyone's like, gosh, you know, I can't buy this thing. You know, this is really worrisome to me. But you want those lower prices from a long-term investing standpoint. And as you allude to, if you're in a 5, 10, 15-year time horizon, then, yeah, you know, I think there's an opportunity here now to scale into some of those positions. And then as the data starts to come in that does point to uh, a turn in trends such that you have a, a starting to see an acceleration in growth, then you start raising your level of commitment to those investments. But 
Um, but a lot's going to boil down to what one's time horizon is and risk tolerances are. But I think, generally speaking, given the sell-off we've seen here, there's an opportunity to scale in now into some of these markets here for those people with a, a very long-term mindset. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, does that same scale-in concept tie into the oil market? Because we've seen oil at 120 130 $150 barrel in the past. Mm-hmm. Now that it's at 45 46 a lot of people think it's kind of like the leper and they want to stay away. Um, is there a scale and opportunity there? Maybe too early? What are your thoughts? Well, right. So that is, that's a great example of where you do scale in. Uh, you know, there's okay. some continued uncertainty there surrounding oil prices. They could come down to 30. You know, we saw them, what, at 10 bucks a barrel back in the late 90s um, before they then rose, you know, to $110 a barrel not that long ago. Uh, it's a cyclical industry. Uh, these suppliers, these producers will, will eventually cut back on production enough to help, uh, you know, get that supply demand and balance uh, back in better order, and that will ultimately drive prices higher. I mean, you know, oil is going to continue to be needed uh, in this global economy, even though you have some alternative energy sources that are starting to emerge. But, you know, the use of oil is not uh, going to, like, just hit a wall and, and, and we'll be done with it. So take some patience. Uh, but you've seen some really strong pullbacks in a number of energy-related stocks and oil prices, and we do think it's, it is one of those opportunities where you can potentially scale into, and if nothing else, capture some of these great rallies that occur in bear markets uh, for some short-term you know, profit potential. Now, I always refer to your, um, your opening column, uh, your page one, but you also write something called The Big Picture. Tell me a little bit about that at briefing.com and what we could find in that article. Sure. Well, with The Big Picture, it, it, it is kind of what the name implies. You know, I, I look at things from a macro uh, perspective, top-down. So I'm trying to take into account what's going on in this broader universe of ours in, in the capital markets and how it ultimately boils down to helping um, individual investors manage their particular investment portfolios. So um, I try to stay, you know, uh, fairly current uh, in terms of what's in the news, what's being talked about, try to boil it, distill some common sense into those arguments. Uh, basically, just keep people informed uh, to give them more confidence about what they're doing. Um, so right now, my most recent article is is talking about the fact that, you know, we thought that the August jobs report put a September rate hike, you know, on the table. Um, the week before that, I gave a database view for why the Fed should not raise interest rates. But um, but to the, this latest article kind of, you know, uh, gets to that point where I was talking about how the Fed's going to rationalize a rate hike in September based on that August jobs report, not necessarily that I agree with it based on the data. Um, but so just keep people informed about what's going on in the the, the grand scheme of things uh, and helps them feel more confident about what they're doing. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Strategist with Briefing.com. He writes the big picture and page one. But be found contributing to the whole big thing as well as you put everything together. Uh, great stuff, great material. Uh, very rational. He is an exercise himself in being rational. I love it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Whole Serbia, Hungary, immigrant crisis. It's heartbreaking, especially when you just see children. That's the only thing I can ever see in those stories. It just it's horrific. And how do we deal with it? I don't know. Um, I'm not smart enough. I stick to what I can do for you, and that's to try to help you get to retirement. And when I see something that's of note, I try to point it out. And sometimes it's demographics. Sometimes it's trends. Sometimes it's basic math. You need to have $10,000, $40,000 saved by the age of 30. Otherwise, you're probably going to work till the day you die. You're not going to hit the lottery. It's not going to happen. Stop playing it. Stop throwing money away. If you want to, that's fine. But know that you're not going to be that guy. You need to have hundred dollars to $400,000 saved by the age of 40, or you're probably going to work till the day you die. Just throwing numbers out there for you. Verizon's going to launch a trial of its new mobile video service um, today, aiming to prove that telecom players can compete with mobile ad industry titans Google and Facebook. Verizon said its service, a mobile app dubbed Go90, is going to be offered initially to a select set of its own customers with advertisements from well-known brands, which it declined to name, but without newly acquired ad technology from AOL, the media company it bought for about $4.5 billion. Verizon's targeting young viewers or millennials with about 100 to 200 hours of exclusive content from online video networks such as Awesomeness TV uh, and others. To me, that sounds, but I'm not a millennial, so I have to start thinking like a millennial, so I'll go Google Awesomeness TV and figure out what it is. Verizon's best chance to prove its advertising potential rests on the technology from AOL, which has built-in tools to target web and mobile ads. That, combined with Verizon's customer data, should improve targeting. Um, Companies from Netflix to Dish already offer web-based video services through its subscriptions. But the number one U.S. wireless company, Verizon's ad-supported short-form video model, is unusual. Verizon's going to be pitted against the Internet advertising industry, like Google and Facebook. Um, Pretty much so, without exception, telecom operators have not been successful as third parties in exploiting Internet service access, whether it's in video or anything else. So, so far, they're... Like, come to the Verizon portal. It's not working. Um, Some content partners will include down the road when they offer um, more product. Include um, Discovery Network, VH1, ESPN, Food Network, and Comedy Central. Uh, That's a trend. People want more content on their mobile devices. And that's bad for the cable companies. Not horrific for the cable companies. But... Definitely not stupendously wonderful either. The NFL is creating something called the NFL Game Pass, which for $99 a year allows you to watch regular season games on television after they're over. Oh, (laughs) that's not what we want. We want that bundle that can kick off cable live, but it just doesn't... The experience of watching a game live on a giant TV is what sports are all about. 
but for a cord cutter willing to make some compromises, it's a compelling option. Skyscraper costs are skyrocketing. Listen to this, because of the cost of windows. The shortage of glass is taking a toll on the nation's commercial building boom, adding millions of dollars to the cost of new skyscrapers, halting a lot of projects midway through construction. We're seeing a lot of construction in San Francisco and Manhattan um, starting to stall. Cost of making things and paying people, um, it's just skyrocketing. Several towers in San Francisco's trendy Rincon Hill neighborhood, home to the city's most expensive apartments, are standing bare while their builders wait for glass. So, um, producers shut down 11 out of 47 glass manufacturer plants in North America between 2007 and 2014 as demand for glass of all kinds, from building facades to auto windshields, sagged during the downturn. So they're now trying to launch those back up. Tomorrow, Apple's going to show us their new iPhones, Apple TV, Siri, maybe a Mac here or there. Um, what else? Not much. Uh, bigger iPad, smaller iPad is expected. Verizon said today that they're going to start trials on 5G network, which is blazing speed that allows you to get data 55 times faster. Uh, but we need it. So we need that sooner than later as, again, we're streaming more video and media content. Apple said they're going to sell a $50 tablet. Um, I don't know. Is there a story there? It's a lot of PR with Amazon, but certainly that's going to hurt Apple a little bit. Um, a lot of parents would get their kids an Apple iPad to kind of be the babysitter, but an Amazon $50 tablet sounds a lot easier, right? Earlier in the show, I was talking about AMC and zombies and, you know, what it means for the company. Uh, AMC has pulled back with panic in a lot of media stocks, rising earnings and a beefed up, you know, multiple could lift shares to, you know, $90 or higher in a takeover bid. So there's people starting to talk that way as well. Google's YouTube is planning to provide advertisers with data on how many of the ads on its internet video service can be seen by viewers in response to advertiser complaints. So again, uh, Google bought YouTube many, many, many years ago and people scoffed at the price. And it turns out that a lot of people today, you know, between the ages of six and 25, watch a heck of a lot of YouTube, a heck of a lot. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't forget to get a seminar coming up this Thursday. Wow, it's fast. It's fast approaching. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning at the Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel. Sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.